All right. So tell us what story you're going to tell us, Bob. Sure. So this is a continuation of the story of the peacemaker's journey. And this is this is the part that will connect Hiawatha with the peacemaker. So independent of the story of the peacemaker that we've heard so far, Hiawatha, also known as Iowanta and Ionwata, uh, Hiawatha was on a, a path of peace himself. And he was preaching peace within his community. And the problem was that he was uh, he lived among the Onondaga people, and the Onondaga had a leader called Tadadaho, and Tadadaho was really kind of a war chief and, and was very much in favor of fighting and warring, and that's where he got his political power. So when, the, when Hiawatha began preaching this message of peace, this was a real problem from the point of view of Tadadaho. So Tadadaho managed to secretly poison Hiawatha and all seven of his daughters who mysteriously died one after another. And they had a belief at the time that if bad luck followed a particular person, that the people, the common people would shun that person because they thought that the bad luck could pass on from one person to another. So as this was unfolding, one after another, everybody who knew Hiawatha began shunning him. So by the time his wife and all of his daughters had been murdered, he had no reason left to live. And he was just wandering aimlessly, kind of in a fog, and just muttering to himself like kind of crazy. Now, leading up until then, Hiawatha had mysteriously also earlier on been finding these little pieces of shell known as wampum, these mysterious beads that were white and purple made out of shell. The peacemaker, independent of this, had also been finding these, and each one of them had been placing these mysterious beads into a pouch that they kept. So getting back to the Hiawatha part of the story, Hiawatha was, was wandering, muttering to himself, crazy. And he stopped eating, he stopped drinking water, he stopped sleeping. So he was in just a, a crazed state until finally he just, he just kind of passed out on the side of a trail. The peacemaker found himself on that trail and discovered Hiawatha. And Hiawatha was half unconscious, muttering to himself, if I ever found a person who was in as awful of a state as I am, I would do everything in my power to be able to help him. And the peacemaker heard him muttering all of that, and all of a sudden just kind of had a, a message, and an epiphany about the coming together of this event and having found that wampum. And so the peacemaker took the wampum that he had and the wampum that Hiawatha had and put it together and strung 
all of that wampum together and held the wampum strand in his hand as he began what was known as the first condolence speech. And in this condolence speech, the peacemaker used the wampum and used his words to condole this poor man for all of his loss. And he began by, by saying that I, I use this, I hold this wampum and I use this piece of deer skin away the tears from this man so that he will be able to see once again. I remove the obstructions in his ears so that he'll be able to hear once again. And finally, I clear the obstruction in his throat so that he'll be able to speak once again. This was the beginning and the first condolence speech that was ever done like this. And this condolence speech eventually became a condolence ceremony that was used whenever one of their leaders would uh, would pass away, that they would condole the all of the family members who had lost this man. And then eventually the condol this condolence speech would be used for everybody, for anybody within the Haudenosaunee. I'm kind of fast forwarding into the story, but the condolence ceremony would be used for anyone who had uh, lost a family member. Now, what they say about the grief that occurs when we experience loss is that a natural way that we as human beings can deal with it is one of two ways. One way is that we can turn that grief to the outside world, and one is to turn it on ourselves. If we turn it on ourselves in the way that Hiawatha did, it leads to despair, to a giving up of life itself. And that could eventually lead to suicide or at least to self-destructive behavior of some kind. The other way that it can go is that it can cause a rage that leads to revenge and violence. Either one of these is considered to be very destructive by the Haudenosaunee and one that, uh, that can be avoided through this condolence ceremony. Now the condolence ceremony eventually came to be used not only for the Haudenosaunee for their people themselves, but they also developed a custom that if somebody from a neighboring village, uh, not village, if somebody from a neighboring nation wanted to visit them, they were not allowed to visit a Haudenosaunee village until after a condolence had been done for those visiting people. So they would find a place that was a uh, kind of a neutral ground and the Haudenosaunee representatives would meet these people who wanted to come and visit the village and they would hold the condolence ceremony for those people. They would ask them what losses they have incurred over the course of the last year, the cycle of the year. And they would condole all of those losses. That way, by the time they brought these people into their village, into their community, there would not be this 
possible seed of violence. So the condolence ceremony had that purpose as well. And now if we bring it all the way up to the present, this condolence ceremony was kind of lost for a while and at least not used commonly by, by all of the people. And in much more recent times, the condolence ceremony has been restored as a way of overcoming addiction and various social problems. So they restored it, but kind of in a new way that it's used today. Now, getting back to our story of the peacemaker and Hiawatha, Hiawatha was so grateful to the peacemaker for saving his life and bringing him back from this brink of self-destruction, giving him a reason to live once again. He was so grateful for that, that he dedicated his life to being the spokesman for the peacemaker, because they say that the peacemaker had a speech impediment and he stuttered. But Hiawatha was a great orator. And so he became the mouthpiece for the peacemaker. And together, the two of them eventually convinced the five original nations of the Haudenosaunee to join together to create the Haudenosaunee or Iroquois Confederacy. And so in this great journey, the Mohawks were the first nation to join them to the east. Then the Oneida joined them. Now, when they got to the Onondaga, which is where, the, where Hiawatha was from, this man, Tadadaho, that we met earlier in the story, wanted nothing to do with the Confederacy. So they kind of circled around and, and went around them and convinced the Cayuga to join, and then the Seneca, and then they backtracked to, uh, because they had the strength of four combined nations, they circled back to the Onondaga. Now, what they say about Tadadaho is that he was this kind of a sorcerer, that he, he had this sorcery power in addition to his political power. They say that he had scales on him like a reptile. And they say that, that he had snakes coming out of his hair. So when all of them, this, this whole delegation of the Haudenosaunee arrived, Tadadaho wanted nothing to do with them. He sent storms out to destroy them, but the peacemakers' power for good ended up eliminating those storms. Tadadaho didn't want to join, and some among the this newly forming alliance wanted to fight against them, but the peacemaker said, no, this is, we are here with just a message of peace. Now, the other thing that was difficult about all of this was that, that Hiawatha had to finally be together with this person who had killed his wife and his daughters. But Hiawatha, through the power of peace, through the condolence ceremony, and through everything that he had been through, became the perfect example of someone who would forgive, would use this power of forgiveness to be available for peace. Because as long as we hold harbor uh, ill feelings towards someone, that's still the root of violence. 
So through the condolence ceremony, through this power of peace and the message of the peacemaker, he became the one that was the, the representative, the, the true example of forgiveness and the removal of anger in order to create the possibility for peace. So eventually they offered, they, this whole delegation, including the peacemaker and Hiawatha, they first combed the, the snakes out of Tadadaho's hair. They made him more like a, like a regular human being. And then they offered him the supreme position from within this newly emerging Confederacy so that Onondaga would become the seat of the Confederacy, right in the center of it, and Tadadaho would be the ultimate leader among all of the other representatives. So altogether, there are 50 leaders. Each leader is called a Loyane, or man of the good, and these are, are men of outstanding character. And Tadadaho would become the, the main one, the, the, the one that oversees everything. And even to this day, that title is still used for that particular leader among the Haudenosaunee. And so the peacemaker, they say, he, he um, put a tree, he planted this tree of peace that would represent the presence of peace among the people. And he said that as long as the people were under the protective branches of this tree of peace, that they would be sheltered from harm and from violence. And over the top of that tree of peace, he placed an eagle which he said would circle overhead and would send out a cry of warning to let the people know if anything should threaten their peace. At the base of the tree, well, first, before that, sorry, at the, the bottom of the tree, there are four white roots that extend to the four directions, north, south, east, and west, representing the idea that this confederacy would have a message that would go out to all directions. And if in the future, any, any other nation would choose to join them, that they would be available to be a part of this, which is why eventually in the 1700s, they were joined by a sixth nation called the Tuscarora. Then at the base of the tree of peace, they say that the peacemaker dug a hole in the ground and announced to all of the warriors that were there that they should come forward and bring forth their weapons of war their ball-headed war clubs and their stone hatchets and bury those in the hole in the ground and then take the hatred that was in their hearts and bury that in the hole in the ground as well so that now a new way of life based upon peace would prevail throughout their lands now eventually this came to even influence the United States government because in the 1700s, Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin both sat with Haudenosaunee leaders at the time that they were trying to create a government for us in what would become the United States of America. And the form of government that was based on this 
was a representative form of democracy, where each one of the five nations would have a representation in the council, and they would decide on certain things within their own communities, and then meet as a council for other important decisions that had to be made. So in this government that still exists today, there are 50 leaders altogether who create laws, 50 leaders who all have to agree unanimously in order to create decisions. But it's based on three branches of government that work together. The older brothers represent one, uh, one branch of government. They are the Mohawk and the Seneca. The younger brothers are made up of the Oneida and the Cayuga. They're a second branch of government. And then the, the fire keepers who are the Onondaga represent the third branch of government. So when they create laws, the law begins with the older brothers who discuss the problem, come up with a possible solution. Once they have a unanimous decision, they pass this law in the making across the fire to the younger brothers who then discuss it. Now, if, the, if those younger brothers can't come to a unanimous agreement, they toss it back to the older brothers who begin the process all over again. If they unanimously agree, they pass it on to the fire keepers, to the Onondaga representatives who have to discuss this as well. If they unanimously agree, it's almost a law. If they disagree, it goes back to the older brothers who begin all over again. For it to really become formalized as a law, it has to go to the women, and the women have to agree as well. And for every one of those loyane or leaders, male leader, man of the good, there is a corresponding yogoyane or woman of the good. She's also known as the clan mother. So this form of government still exists today. And this concept of representative government and three branches of leadership influenced our government. And that's why in 1988, Congress actually issued a statement formally thanking the Haudenosaunee for their, their contribution to our form of government. But this law, great law of peace, this whole story of the peacemaker's journey is one that has to do with the power of peace, the power of overcoming grief through condolence, and the ability that we have as human beings to release grief in order to find peace both within our own selves and in the way that we interact with others. All right, I think we can stop the recording there. Okay.